Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner. I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job by investing in everything from real estate to having passive income to starting businesses and everything else. And today, I'm super excited to bring on a terrific real estate investor that's going to show us how we can actually start real estate investing and actually be successful in doing that as well. Tony, thank you so much for being here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be on. So, Tony, tell me. How do you make money and provide for your family and make sure that you don't have to work that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, without working for somebody else? Yeah, interesting. So I've been in business 20 years now. So luckily, I found business in 2001 when I was a junior, let's see, sophomore, junior in college. Uh, bought an info product on TV, uh, No Down Payment by Carlton Sheets. You may have heard of that. Oh, I sure have. Uh, and so, yeah, I quit uh, quit college with nine hours left to graduate and jumped right into the uh, business world. Um, I was waiting tables at the time uh, right out of college. And it took me about two years after starting my business to go full time and break away from my job. That was one of the things I can kind of remember back waiting tables, just going, man, I just want to be in my business. I want to be, you know, doing real estate and that kind of thing. Uh, so it took me, you know, a couple short years to, to, to get on my own. And now fast forward 20 years, um, I, I can't, have, I couldn't have imagined being where I am now in business, just owning uh, tons of businesses. I've, I've got, I think seven businesses now we're running, um, flipping a lot of houses, doing rental properties, co-working space, helping real estate investors all over the country with their businesses. I mean, there's just a lot of cool things that I'm doing right now that are not only providing a good living, but I'm also having a good time with. And as you are having more time because you're not working for somebody else, I mean, if you think about it, most people are working about 40 plus hours a week. That's that much more time that you can devote to building your own businesses and getting multiple businesses. Same, just like you, I have more time. So I just keep creating more and more businesses and hiring people to run in the businesses as opposed to me either working for somebody else, you know, getting paid for an hour for the hour that you work and said, now I'm paying other people. And so just like you, Tony. So uh, awesome, Tony. So now you started with that Carlton Sheets. Is that what got you over that hurdle and start to actually doing some investing? Was that it or was there something else? Yeah, that was the main thing that got me started. I mean, it was a super basic course. Like if I went through it now, I'd be like, man, this is so boring. Like it's just like total basic. So um, but even, I guess even if you're, you know, getting, getting started and already kind of in the business, I'm sure there's some nuggets you can get, but it's all about how to leverage. And that's why real estate is so beautiful, right? I mean, there's a lot of people, um, that aren't the smartest people in the world, but like real estate, you can, especially now like 20 years ago, I couldn't, you know, buy lists and like, you know, text and cold call and, you know, do all that kind of stuff, like, and be a real estate investor tomorrow. Right. I mean, I had to like, really, really dive into it. I was calling people out of the newspaper, if that tells you anything, 20 years ago. Um, so that's that's how I got my uh, that's how I got my start. Um, but um, I'm sorry, I totally lost track of your question. I got 100, 100 things going through my mind right now. So it was basically your starting was with Carlton Sheets. Now, yeah. you said 
you didn't actually graduate. You didn't finish college. You stopped college. Did I hear that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, so yeah, going back to the question. So yeah, that got me started. Just learn the basics. And I just started hitting the phones. Like, you know, in the course it said, start calling newspaper ads, start calling. I don't even think there was like Craigslist at the time, uh, you know, so it was just pretty basic. It was like, just get, get on the phone and start calling, uh, put out ads out in the paper and stuff like that. And um, that's what got me started. And then uh, someone ended up talking me into getting my real estate license. Um, so I sold real estate for probably two or three years. That helped me to quit my job. So I had some additional income. And then a, a couple of years after that is when I uh, stopped selling real estate and started just investing exclusively uh, on my own. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's always a start for somebody. For some people, it's a YouTube video to get some excited for some people to podcast to get some started, like, you know, you're doing with yours. And then from there, I mean, 20 years, I've learned so many lessons and, you know, uh, listened to so many videos and courses and stuff like that, that I'm still 20 years later, still, uh, still learning every single day. So a lot of people think that you have to have a lot of money to be a real estate investor, you know, be a trust fund baby or, really uh, get somebody that has a lot of money to give you a lot of money. Like it seems like a lot of people think it's really, really hard and really like just a lot of barriers to get into real estate investing. Is that true? Um, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family, so I wasn't poor by any means, but uh, no business background. My family didn't run businesses. Still, I am the only person that I know of in my whole family that owns a business out of like, I have a big family too. I have seven sisters. Uh, I have, uh, my dad has 13 siblings. Like when we have get togethers, it's big. Uh, and to what I, to my knowledge, I'm probably the only business owner out of my whole family. So, um, you know, I wasn't born with money. I didn't have any great advantages. My family provided for me, um, you know, but we, we were basic. Right. And so I just had to learn on my own. You know, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they, you know, they, they think, man, you know, this guy's done a lot of stuff and, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's got the resources to buy properties and that's why he continues to buy properties. And it's like, if someone took away every single thing that I had today, um, I could still figure out how to buy properties. You use other people's money, other people's time you kind of talked about and, you know, anything you do in business and especially in real estate is very leverageable, right? So someone says, man, I don't have the money to get started. I'm like, you don't need the money. Like you find the deals, you can find the money. Somebody's going to have the money for, for you to be able to do those deals. And um, it's, it's, not, it's not as cost intensive on your side as you would think. I completely agree. And I was interviewed on another show recently and they asked the question, if you were to start over, with nothing, like you literally had nothing other than a thousand dollars to your name, and you had no no properties, no nothing. What would you do? And I said, well, the thousand dollars is probably pretty good, but I'm not I'm not really at all counting on that thousand dollars. Only thing I'm going to be doing is I'm going to start networking and finding deals. Those are the only things I'm going to be doing because I know that I once just like you said, Tony, if you get a deal, there's going to be money, but you need to know the people to talk to. Number one, number one, find the deals as well as to get the money to buy the deal. So that's awesome. Now, would there is there a certain amount of money that you would suggest, or is it just get started right now, um, you know, looking for deals? Because people might say, well, you might need $100,000 to get started. Should they start saving money at the same time as learning, or what do you think? I mean, obviously you want to, you know, save and invest money, you know, as much as you can, but I would never recommend anybody have 
you know, ten thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank before they get started. Because you know, like I said, there's so many resources out there right now where you can, if you find a deal, you can get it funded. There's uh, hard money lenders. Like if you find a deal, you can go to hard money lender, find a first mortgage loan. You can find eighty to ninety percent of the money right there just by having a good deal, right? And then you've got to find the other part of the money, the down payment and that kind of thing. And chances are somebody knows or everybody knows somebody with money, right? It's a teacher, a coach, uh, I don't know, a family member, like almost everybody has like one family member that has $10,000, $20,000 that they can put into a deal to help you make money. That's actually how I started with the no down payment system is I went to my dad and I said, hey, I need you to co-sign on properties for me. And not only that, but can I, you know, can I borrow some money? And he, I can't remember the amount. It was under 10,000, but for the first couple of properties, he let me, it was like, you know, five grand on one deal, four grand on the other, something like that. And I had my first two properties. And then the third property, I found um, a friend who inherited some money and we bought, uh, I think another eight or 10 properties together with his money. And we did the Burr method. I think I invented Burr actually, because I, I was, you know, I was buying properties, I was uh, rehabbing them, refinancing them, get all my cash out or his cash out, I should say, and then we buy more properties, and we accumulated, you know, ten properties within, you know, just a few short months using that. I was probably a little more in a few months uh, using that method. So, um, you know, you find the deal, the money's going to follow. It's kind of like Field of Dreams. You build it, they will come. You find the deals, they'll come. How do we know what a good deal is? Well, we'll get to finding the deals in just a minute, but how do we know what actually makes up a good deal that we should go after and then present it to other investors? Uh, good question. I mean, I have a deal analyzer that I've been using for, for years now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on my real estate investing business now. I only spend probably a few hours in my fix and flip business a week, if that. Uh, and so we have a deal analyzer that my team sends me that they punch the numbers in. And it, and it has all the crucial details of that project. So for me, I know when I get that spreadsheet, whether it's a deal or not, right? I, I can see the ARV, the purchase, the repairs, the profit, the whole thing. And it gives me different scenarios. So that's easy for me. For someone else, um, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it before, but or, or lately, I should say, but there used to be just a general rule of thumb that if you took 70% of the after repair value minus repairs, um, that's kind of the number that you need to be at. Some people use 65% if they use that number. Um, but what it basically what it comes down to is it gives you that 30% margin where you can pay, you know, real estate commissions, closing costs, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, people are doing big deals, so that may, may or may not work for them. But a general rule of thumb, if you do 70% minus repairs, you can get kind of a general number of kind of where you need to be at. But if you, you know, if you really want to get into this game and really, um, <clears throat> really do things right, you really need to have a good spreadsheet and deal analyzer to, to punch your numbers into to, to be much more accurate. Now, is that mainly for flipping or would you, that also be for like rental properties that you're going to own and hold on for a long time? Well, it depends. Like some people, uh, I mean, the, the market's crazy right now. So people are paying crazy prices for, for real estate, but um, you know, like for me, I can pay more for rental property because I don't need the equity, the huge equity, um, you know, to be able to, to make a, a big profit. Right. So, for instance, if, um, you know, most deals we want to make at least 25 to 30,000 on, if that same deal I'm going to make, you know, 5,000 on, um, if someone sends me numbers and I'm in, in, you know, those are rental numbers is what, is what we call them. So, 
Um, and my team may say this, uh, send, send me a deal and say, Hey, we can only make 5,000 on this, but if we keep it as a rental, you could still have 20,000 or 30,000 worth of equity in it and keep it long term. Um, so th those numbers don't necessarily apply. Um, you could probably use like 80 or 85% minus repair. I would say probably 80% minus repairs to use it for rental numbers. Um, because, you know, as long as you have, you know, 10 to 20% equity in a deal and the numbers cash flow, then um, those could still be good numbers. That's great. So is your business predominantly flipping properties or is it just whatever deal comes, you figure out how to actually implement that in your business? Exactly. We just, we, we market for motivated sellers. We find deals that are undervalued and uh, we figure out what to do with them next. So we rehab properties and flip them. We rehab them, uh, or excuse me, we wholesale them. So we'll clean them up, put them on the market and just sell them uh, semi as is. And then uh, we do a lot of rental properties, and a lot of rent owned properties. Um, so we'll put a lot of properties in our portfolio that don't meet our flip numbers uh, or maybe in areas um, that may be just a better rental property. Um, so we keep a lot of those deals. So we do, we do a little bit of everything. That's, that's awesome. Now, deals are things that we need to look for. Obviously, there's a lot to learn and figure out how to actually um, uh, calculate the numbers. And like you said, if you have a deal analyzer, that's going to help you too. You need to understand the, the numbers. But let's say we've already learned how to do that. Finding the deals is one of the hardest things for most people because we're looking at all the different properties out there. We might just go to a realtor or look at the MLS, which is, you know, you could definitely do that, but you're going to make so much more money if you actually found the properties before they're on MLS. So do you have any ways that we can actually do that? Like any tips or how do we start finding really, really good deals for real estate investing? Yeah. So I talked about this a little bit before um, we started the podcast and uh, my best, so I've been in the, in the game for 20 years now and I started TV commercials nine years ago, and it's been by far the most consistent and most profitable marketing channel that I have. TV uh, commercials. TV commercials. And wow. you even said it, you've been in the game a while <laughs> and you're like, I've never really thought of that. And that's what makes it so beautiful is that there's not a lot of competition. So anybody that's in the investing game right now knows that everybody's buying the same list. They're texting them, cold calling them, sending them postcards. So if, uh, if someone gets a postcard, they're probably getting 10. If someone gets a text message, they're probably getting another five or 10. I mean, it's just super saturated with investors jumping on those deals. Well, that's where TV commercials trumps everything, right? So for me, um, there's five big benefits of TV that I love to talk about um, that, you know, a lot of them are, uh, are things that other marketing channels just don't have, right? So hold on, uh, Tony, pause for a second, because you're absolutely right. I, I want to jump in those five things. But the first thing, like my mind's blowing up. Isn't it expensive? Like, let's get to those five things. But isn't it expensive to do TV commercials and producing? I mean, do you can you use your phone? Like, tell us about like the actual getting that done and, and how much money it's going to cost. And I, I totally want to get into those five things. But I got to get over the hurdle of actually getting into it. So that's why that's one of the reasons that there's not a lot of competition is people think it's really hard and really expensive, right? So we are now implementing TV commercials around the country for other real estate investors. So we make it like we can get you on the air within like two weeks if you really want to be, right? So the reason that most people don't do it again are they think it's too expensive, which I'll talk about here in a second. And they think uh, or they know that to produce a commercial, to write the scripts, to do the graphics, like all of that is a huge process, right? 
Like even when I started, like the reason it was so easy for me is someone introduced me to his TV guy and he had it all together. He had the production team. He knew how to buy the ads. He knew like he knew all this. And basically after I met him, I was on the air within about three to four weeks. So a construction guy in my area referred me to him and said, Hey, you're, you're doing real estate. Why don't you get on TV, man? He's like, I'm totally crushing it on TV and there's nobody else doing it in my field. And so I was the first guy on TV basically in my market that I know of. uh, And we've been crushing it since. So, so if you talk about expense, um, so a lot of the people that are in my program, we help implement, I mean, they're doing a high volume of deals, right? But we do have some newer investors that are getting uh, into the market that are using our TV commercials. So I'll give you an, uh, an inst- uh, one instance. I've got a guy uh, in Kentucky, and he's spending eighteen fifty a month on TV. I advised him to do three thousand. He's like, "Hey, I just want to compare it to one of my other marketing methods." So he's spending eighteen fifty a month. Two months, he spent thirty six hundred dollars, and he got eighty thousand dollars back in return. Fifty thousand dollars in assignment fees. That's and a good an, return. And another $30,000 in rehab profits, which I think is going to make more than 30 grand because you know how the market is. You think you're going to make 30 and you end up making 50 to 60 in this market. It's crazy right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and we've got other people doing the same numbers. I've got someone in a big market spending three grand a month. And she, uh, her first month, she brought in, she hasn't closed all the deals yet, but she'll bring in about 30 grand in that first year, or excuse me, first month. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then I have people spending 15 grand a month in big markets, right? So, um, there's a lot of smaller markets and mid-sized markets. You can, uh, spend a small amount of money and still get a big return. Uh, and what they're doing is basically starting small, getting returns and then upping their budgets. And, uh, hopefully, I mean, obviously there's going to be diminishing returns as far as like the percentage wise, right? I mean, you can't always get a 20 X return if you spend, you know, 50 grand a month, but um, but yeah, I mean, we're starting with small budgets for a lot of people and they're absolutely crushing it right now. That's terrific, man. That's awesome. So we would, at being able to produce it and put it out there, it doesn't sound like it's that much work. I mean, is it as easy enough as like using your cell phone or do you have to like, is it like a, a one minute spots, 30 minute, 30 second spot? Like how, do, how exactly does that commercial play out? Yeah, it's 30 second spots. Um, so basically, um, I came up with a program last year because someone convinced me to do it. I'm, he's like, hey, I, he's got another marketing method he teaches. And he's like, hey, people have been asking me about TV and you're the only guy I know of. Why don't you create a program around TV? Because nobody else in the country really is doing TV. And so I kind of blew him off for a while. And finally, I was like, I'm going to create a test program. So I just did a test launch and I had like, I don't know, 10 people sign up pretty quickly. And they're like, hey, man, I want to give this a try started getting results right away. So I launched an official program. And um, uh, so, yeah, so, so we have, so basically what I did is I took all the data I have over nine years. I know what TV commercials have worked at, what haven't worked. Um, I know what schedules have worked the best, you know, as far as what stations to be on, what TV shows. So basically it's kind of like a franchise is what we're doing is basically saying, okay, here's what's worked for us for the last nine years. Let's take it. Let's plug it into your market. You can put your branding on it. You can put your face on it and um, we'll just plug it in. And it's working like literally there's like one market right now that it's not. I feel like it's kind of not working, but the rest of the market's like everybody's getting calls and deals and um, doing deals within the first you know month. Pretty much. Um, like I said, there's only one market that, that I know right now that we have that's that they didn't do a deal in the first month. Everybody pretty much is getting their money back and a return. Uh, in their first month. That's awesome. Okay, let's jump into those five things that the reasons why you like commercials. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So, you know, texting, cold calling, all that kind of stuff, it just doesn't build a lot of credibility, right? In fact, it's almost the opposite. Like people will leave bad reviews because you cold call and text them, right? If they know who your brand is. Um, so that's the number one thing is just credibility. I mean, think about the big brands that you've seen on TV, like the cereal commercials, like Tony the Tiger. You know, if you hadn't seen them on TV, you'd go into the store and you'd be like, I don't know what this is, but since you've seen it, I don't even know if he's still on the air right now. Like it may have been 20 years since he's been on the air, <laughs> but you, you know, you remember it and it's just credibility, right? So that's number one. Uh, number two is there's little, little to no competition. So I already mentioned that. Um, if you look in your market, anybody I've talked to in their market, uh, I would say nine out of 10 people say nobody else is doing that. I've never seen anybody else in my market doing TV commercials for real estate. And the ones that are that would say they have seen somebody, there might be one other person. I think I've only talked to one other person that said there are two people in the market doing TV. Other than that, there's pretty much no competition, just for the reasons that we we talked about earlier. Uh, and then three, the, the ROI is high. Like I got um, last year was 11.2x return on my money. So for every dollar I put in, I got 11.2x out of that. And that's not including some of the deals that helped me get through postcards and my other methods of marketing where they called and they said, Hey, I recognized your brand. I got other postcards, but I called yours only because I know, I know you're, you know, I've seen your commercial and we've gotten those deals and I don't count that as TV ROI. Um, so it's super high ROI more than you would think. Um, four is high ROT, which is return on time. Like for me, I mean, it sounds like you got, you have a lot of businesses going as well or multiple businesses. For me, it's return on time. Like, you know, anything I start or anything I do, like I want a high return on my time. And I spent three hours last year on my TV commercials. Uh, I shot a couple new commercials just because I wanted to freshen it up. And then I looked at my, my uh, ad spend with my media guy and that was it. It was like three hours. Some people spend three hours a day on some of the marketing that they're doing, right? So last but not least, number five is high quality leads. Uh, you know, think about it. Like I said, if you're cold, I mean, I hate to pick on cold calling and texting, right? Because those, those are still good marketing methods. Like, you know, you can still do well. I get them all the time for my properties. I literally get investors saying, hey, do you want to sell your house? I'm like, no, I make money from it, but. Yeah, exactly. And and so, um, yeah, so the, uh, you know, just the, the quality of leads is different, right? Like if you cold call and text, it's people saying, okay, yeah, you make me an offer, but they're really not wanting an offer, right? They're just either wanting to piss you off and just make you spend time or they're tire kicking, right? They're like, I have a hundred thousand dollar house. I'm going to try and sell it for 110, you know, whatever. Um, and then you obviously get those one at one at once every once in a while that are good deals. Whereas TV, they are calling you, right? They are reaching out to you. They've seen your TV commercial. Um, so chances are you're probably the only person going on that, on that appointment. It's not like they see 10 TV commercials and they call 10 people. It's they're going to call you only most likely. And then they're not tire kickers. I mean, if they're spending the time to, to write down the phone number or the website, going on the computer, or going on their phone to call you, chances are they're a much more motivated lead. And like I said, there's usually less competition. So, um, you know, as you can see, it's something that builds a lot of credibility and, and builds branding. Like I, so I live in, I haven't told you this, I live in San Diego and my market's Wichita, Kansas. That's where I was born and raised. Nice. So luckily I have a great team that runs the business out there and, you know, I enjoy San Diego uh, and, and the weather and all that good stuff out here. And when I go into Wichita, people recognize me all the time. 
it's like, it's kind of like I'm a little celebrity in Wichita, which, you know, I pay to be on TV, but people, you know, their perception is you're on TV and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's celebrity status. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's done that for me. And even in the first couple of months of people launching their TV commercials, they're getting the same thing where people are just stopping them at church and being like, I didn't realize you did, you know, real estate. And they're starting to get deals and start conversations and just, they can tell that they have more respect. Uh, for being on TV so far. Man, it sounds like not just for real estate, this can actually apply to almost every business because every business wants to get more people to see them and show them what they can do, build credibility, everything like you just talked about. It Doesn't this seem like it should apply to almost every business too? That's interesting because I'm thinking, okay, we're doing this with real estate and we're getting s- super good results. Now we're, we're, we're high ticket items, right? So we're not selling 10, 15, $20 gadgets or even hundred dollar, like, you know, someone could do a TV commercial, um, like someone launched their, their commercials yesterday and they're like, I already got two leads. I'm going on one appointment. So they can literally make like 20 or $30,000 their first day of TV commercials. Right. And, and that actually happened to me where I think it was like the first week I got a deal and it, it made 35 grand on, on a $3,000 ad spend. Right. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's interesting because after we sell out the U S which I think we'll do in the next, you know, year and a half to two years. And when I say sell out the U S we only allow so many people per market and we've already sold out a lot of markets is I, I think about starting like a high ticket TV program to where we sell, uh, TV advertising for high ticket products, because I mean, you can spend a little amount of money and get huge returns, uh, if you're selling a high ticket deal. So yeah, if anybody has. Um, you know, has a high ticket, high or higher ticket item. I would say anything over, I don't know what the number would be, three thousand or five thousand. They're making on on a deal or or a sale. Uh, I would say it could work for those businesses too. I was thinking, I have a really good friend of mine that he started a carpet cleaning company, and his his just all through word of mouth is how he is able to actually find customers. But I was thinking, man, it might be really, really good if they were he was able to get on TV. But I could I, I could definitely point him over in your direction. Now I just want to ask you with the market like you're saying right now. See, I invest in rental properties. I bought back in 2006 before the crash, and I still own them, and I still made money whether the market went up, went down, or sideways. I still made money, so I didn't because I didn't care about appreciation. It's it's icing on the cake. It goes up eventually. But it goes down too. So when you're looking at flipping, that's one thing that is a little scary for a lot of people is, wow, the market's really, really high right now. I remember this back in 2008, it crashed. What are your thoughts about how do we stay safe when there's gonna be potentially a correction or a crash or is there, I mean, am I wrong? Or will there not be, will it keep going up? Like, what are your thoughts about making sure you stay safe when you're flipping properties? Well, you're lucky because I have a crystal ball. Like a lot of people say they don't have a crystal ball, but I have one. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, kind of, <laughs> so I run a, a real estate mastermind, virtual real estate mastermind, uh, with very successful investors throughout the country. And I have this conversation at least, or probably about once a month, uh, the last few months. And I, and I took a poll and I asked them, I said, okay, guys, what do you think is going to happen with the market? And that's the beauty of being in a mastermind is like being able to just ask these questions of a group and just, you know, getting everybody's opinion and everybody's opinion is pretty much the same in the group, uh, is that. Inventory is super low. Um, I, I saw a video that said inventory is 1.8 months inventory, which I think is not right. I mean, most markets like inventory is not lasting more than like two or three days. Um, so I feel like it's probably like a month at the most, maybe like two to three weeks of inventory. Uh, a healthy market or a, a typical market is like three to six months of inventory, right? 
So that means that, you know, you were five, six, 10, 12 times uh, less inventory than we typically have. And so, um, you know, and then people say, well, there's 11 million houses that are behind or in forbearance or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so first of all, those people, if they sell, they may sell off market. So they're not going to hit the market. Um, they may sell to investors that make them rental properties. They may end up renting them. Um, they're probably not going to foreclose most of them because they bought the house at least two years ago. So they have enough equity to sell and make out. So there's not going to be a lot of fire sales. Um, and then on top of that, I think with, with the virus and everything, the banks and the government aren't going to allow a ton of properties to hit the market at one time. Right. I think they're going to be smart enough to like, re, you know, figure out how to release them slowly and that kind of thing. And not to mention, if somebody has a lot of equity in their house and they're wanting to stay, banks are probably going to work with them and, and let them add the interest or the whatever on the back because the banks are still secure because there's typically a lot of equity in properties or they'll go borrow money from their friends or family and figure out how to make the payment. So for me, it's just going to take a lot for the market to crash. Like I like. Again, my crystal ball says the market's not going to crash. Now, can it correct and maybe stabilize to where it was a couple of years ago or even maybe a year ago? Of course it can, but I don't know. I just feel like it's it's way like we're so low in inventory that again, unless interest rates go up, the market floods with properties and Biden does some crazy stuff with whatever, then yeah, there's a potential, but I just, I don't see it happening. Uh, what, what, what is your perspective on it? I, I can go both ways. Like I thought it was going to ha- something's going to happen back in 2017. There was going to be a correction. I don't know about a crash, but a correction. But it has been 12 years since the last correction or crash. And usually, there's usually market cycles of seven to eight years that there would be some you know ebb and flow and up and down. It's just been up, up, up for 12 years. For me, one thing that really kind of gets me is back in 2007, 2008. I had a lot of people tell me because I started buying properties then. They were telling me. Oh man, you! This is the people who aren't investors. Oh man, you better buy now because if you don't, you're never going to be able to buy again. Prices are just going to be so high, and then obviously it crashed. I'm hearing that same exact thing now. So people are telling me like, "Oh, you should buy in Idaho now because everybody's buying in Idaho." I'm like, "Well, if you who is not an investor, just a homeowner, is like, see something, just like with um, I think it was probably Warren Buffett or somebody said, you know, when people are buying, you need to be selling. When people are selling, you need to be buying. So I'm I'm. I don't know. I'm still up in the air. I know that there are great deals out there. You just need to know how to find them. And so, Tony, it sounds like definitely the commercials is that's something that I'm going to have to look into. But um, hey, Tony, so let's jump into the rapid fire round. You gave us so much great insights. I have a few more questions. You can take as long as you want for these. It's not like it's a fast answer questions time, but um, some more questions that could help round out everything. You ready for it? Yeah, sounds good. I love this. Awesome. So the first question is, you've given us a lot of great insights on how to invest in real estate and how to find deals. Is there anything we might have missed or anything else that that stands out in your brain as a good insight that we should take away as real estate investors? Yeah. So I mentioned the mastermind a little bit ago. That's one thing that, so I've been in business 20 years. I didn't find masterminds until about 10 or 12 years into the business. I just put my nose down and just like grinded away. And I thought that if you asked for help and showed your weaknesses, that you were not a good business owner, right? Uh, and not everybody's like that, but and, and so what I—that's why I do masterminds now. Like I was, I was introduced to it, and I ended up starting my own pretty quickly after I was introduced to it. And I'm like, I need to get this to as many people as possible. So for those of you who don't know, a mastermind is getting together with, 
you know, most masterminds are typically high level. A lot of people don't experience, but there's also beginner masterminds. I actually started um, allowing beginners to be in my mastermind and we figured out how to, how to separate the two different levels of, of investors. But as for help, like there are so many people, uh, it, it, you know, so many people that have knowledge, have experience and are willing to share it with you. So even if you're not able to join a mastermind and invest and pay to be in a mastermind, um, find a mentor, find someone that's willing to take you under their wing. Um, people, people ask me all the time, like, what's one thing you would do differently getting into the business if you could do, you know, go back and change. And it would be um, find a mentor or mastermind. I don't even know if masterminds were really that popular back in 2001. Probably not. I think it's been the last like five to 10 years to become super popular. So that would have been one thing. Uh, uh, or I would have gone and worked for somebody who was doing what I wanted to do and that was doing it at a high level. Even if I just worked for them for a month, I probably would have gotten like great insight of like how they run their business. And, you know, success leave, leaves clues, right? You find someone successful. And if you go and work for them for a month, two months, three months, six months, maybe even a year, like the amount of knowledge you would get would greatly uh, uh, decrease the amount of mistakes that you would make in business. Those are absolutely fantastic. I would personally pay Warren Buffett to allow me to work for him because I know I would learn so much more than what I'm actually paying. And I, I know I... Sp- I've either lost or wasted 30, 40, 50 plus thousands of dollars in my real estate investing business because I didn't know what I was doing right. I was kind of, you know, stumbling as I went. It would have been much better had I learned with somebody else. So that's awesome. Now, Tony, if you were to go back to your younger self, just high school, college age, whatever it might be, if you had any bit of advice other than what we've already given, do you have anything else that you would give? Could be business, life, whatever it might be. Yeah, the life lesson that I've learned in 20 years in business and being alive for 41 years um, is that there's always going to be kind of like real estate. There's always going to be a down cycle or downtime. You know, 20 years in business, I've gone through several times where I was so stressed, so anxious, so whatever, because, you know, like 2009 or 10, I had to fire my whole staff and start over like that right there. Like. When I was like hiring and building my team and all of a sudden I realized I had a bunch of losers on my team and I had to like (laughs) fire them because they were stealing. They were, I had three of them living in my properties and I just, I went into such a mental downward spiral that I came up so much stronger out of that. And then I had one more after that where I like, I was like, man, I've got to downsize my business and I got to, you know, do all these different things to, to adjust and all of that. And I came out stronger and I look back, you know, several years later and I'm like, that really wasn't that big of a deal. Right. So I know it sometimes it takes life to like go through all of that to really learn that lesson. Um, but if someone can look at that and say, you know what, I'm alive, I'm breathing. If you're living in the U S and you own your own business, oh, and you, yeah. I mean, you're like better than 90 some percent of the people in the world that don't have a bed, don't have running clean. I mean, there's just so many things to be grateful for that, you know, the things we get down on are just minuscule compared to what other people are going through. Completely agree, Tony. That's great. Okay. So what is one nonfiction book? Could be business, could be life, whatever it might be that you would suggest that we should read. Um, There is a book that I read that's changed my the way I do things pretty dramatically. It's called The 12 Week Year. Uh, it is um, Brian Moran, I think is the author. Um, I actually hired them to coach me as well. 
And it's basically the concept is people have these year long goals, right? And at the end of the year, like October, November, December, whatever it is, they're like, oh crap, I didn't accomplish my goal and I need to pick it up and I need to whatever, right? Whether it's how many houses you want to buy or whatever it is. So the concept is instead of creating year long goals, take those same year goals and, and it's Parkinson's law. It fits into the, uh, uh, fits into the room that you give it. Right. So like if you take a year long goal and you say, I'm going to accomplish it in 12 weeks, chances are you're going to accomplish it in 12 weeks. The same, the same goal that you said was going to take you a year. So then you take the 12 weeks and you chunk it down into three big goals. Uh, each 12 weeks, you can do more, you can do four or five, but they recommend three, three goals. And then a lot of people will do things each week. They'll say, well, I'm going to put three properties under contract, right? Well, okay, but you can't really control that. But what you can control is how many phone calls you make, how many offers you make. So it's more taking like your bigger goals and creating tactics around it and then doing the tactics every week. So just like with a year, if you wait till the year to the to, to, you know, accomplish your goals. And like, there's a lot of things going on. This teaches you to create like tactics each week that help basically take the chunk out of the elephant, right? I mean, you've heard the, the term to, to eat an elephant, you start one bite at a time. Oh, yeah. Same thing with your goals. You just have to like chunk them down into smaller tactical measures where it doesn't feel so big and you accomplish your goals. And so I've been doing that for the last, oh, it's only been like a month, month and a half I've been doing it. And I can tell you right now, like executing my goals is like so much more faster and efficient. That's fantastic. I love that. I'm up to check that one out. Okay, so um, last question is, as you are building your business, you are thinking about um, growing and scaling everything like that. Is there anything that we could do to continue to scale our business further than we, have, you know, when we just start out? Yeah, it's, it's um, people. 100% it's people. Like if you want to scale your business faster, better, easier, it's people. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So first of all, kind of like what I mentioned before is like surrounding yourself with the right people, whether it's like mentors or masterminds or peers that you meet with on a regular basis, right? Uh, people also has to do with like even your family and like, especially your family and friends, like everybody has those, you know, family members or friends that are just super negative for some reason we keep them around, right? So for me, like, you know, I don't care if you're family or not, like if you're negative, like I'm just, you're not going to be around me nearly as much, right? Like that's just the way that I, the way that I roll now. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that, uh, is employees, right? And some people may say, you know what? I don't, I can't hire employees. Like I just don't have the money. I don't know how to find them, all that kind of stuff. Um, these days there's four to $5 an hour virtual assistants can, they can do about the same work that a lot of us, uh, us people can do. So I'm huge on virtual assistants. So hiring the right people. So I told you 10 years ago, I had to fire my whole staff. Like if I looked at the people back then that I had not only my business, but I just, I surrounded myself with compared to what it is now, it is dramatically different. And as opposed to having like one to two businesses back then that were like really shaky. Now I've got seven thriving businesses and employees that if I looked at, you know, again, compared them to what I had 10, 11 years ago, it's totally night and day. So, um, last thing I'll say is, um, I'm actually, I'm thinking about writing a book on this and, and, and I call it the 10% rule. So there's many different 10% rules, but one of them that I have now is when I hire someone or I, uh, hire someone as an employee or subcontract to someone, they have to be in the top 10% of what they do. 
And that means you're probably gonna have to pay more. That probably means you're gonna have to vet them more. That probably means it's gonna take you a, you know longer to find them. But hire the top 10% of people in what they do. And not only will they do it as good of you as you, but they will probably do it better than you. That's I completely agree with that. I, I personally rather hire people that are much smarter than me, better than me, just because I know that they are better. Because if I could just do it myself, I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna waste time. Rather hire somebody else. Man, Tony, you've given us so much great insights. I know people are gonna to wanna to reach out to you, especially, I mean, checking out how to actually do TV commercials for their business. How can people find you? How can they also reach out to you? Yeah, two different ways. Um, Real Estate Masters TV is my program, uh, realestatemasterstv.com. And again, it's a full implementation program. We can you know, get you on TV in two weeks if you want to. Um, so you can go there and see if your market's available. Uh, and then the mastermind I mentioned is uh, REM Mastermind. So that's Real Estate Masters as well, remmastermind.com. And you can go there and check it out. Uh, that we used to allow just high level investors into it, but now we have uh, a, a way to allow newer investors to be a part of the group because that's where I was at one point. And if, if I was new in the business, I'd want to be around people like this. So awesome. Tony Harvey, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time, man. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me, and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. It'll be in the description, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. You can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.